Bretto, 2020 is in full swing and our first wellness base camp for the year is not far away. That's right, MP. Geelong hosts the wellness base camp on Saturday, March 28th. Our base camp theme for 2020 is release your overwhelm and find your clarity. Yeah, absolutely. And Kim Morrison is going to help you get clear on self-love. Brett Hill will help you release limiting beliefs and develop a growth mindset. And the great man, Marcus Pierce, will help you find clarity on your life purpose and relationships. Expect a surprise or two. This is Saturday, March 28th at the Geelong Library and Heritage Centre. Tell your friends, bring your family and colleagues, and make sure you go to thewellnessbasecamp.com to get your two-for-one early bird tickets now. That's Saturday, March 28th in Geelong. Tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com. This podcast is very proudly brought to you by my new book, From Peasants Food to Superfoods. This book is based on cooking for the entire family and it guides cooks from all experiences on how to integrate healthy foods into everyday life. I know it's easy to stick to the same old things every week with a family to feed and a budget to stick to, but eating nutritious and delicious food every night is achievable and affordable. Learning how to use, prepare and incorporate new and old ingredients into tasty and exciting food is what I love doing. So I have put this book together. It's over 300 pages. There's over 100 simple, nutritious recipes, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, desserts. Most of it's gluten-free, dairy-free. It's very gut healing, very anti-inflammatory and I hope that you will love it as much as I have, putting it together and <laughs> bringing it to life. So if you would like to check it out, learn more or order it, jump online at www.mgherbs.com.au. And thanks for bringing us the podcast today. You're listening to Melissa Gearing, the Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. Today on the podcast, I'm going to chat with the amazing Period Whisperer, who, for the purposes of this podcast, we may refer to as the Sperm Whisperer. She is Dr. Andrea Huddleston. She is Women's Health and Natural Fertility Practitioner and Integrative Chiropractor, and she's the co-host of the Women's Wellness Radio here on the uh, Wellness Couch with me, and I'm super excited to have her on. She knows everything there is to know about fertility and health and we are going to chat as you may have guessed all things sperm hey so what do you want to talk about today uh, well i just asked you the same question Mel, and you're like sperm i reckon sperm <laughs> i reckon sperm. sperm sperm's That's the hot so topic um yeah but it doesn't really ever get talked about does it no i when i so what really got me wanting to talk sperm with you was when i saw a post on your instagram and you said that sperm counts had halved worldwide in the last 40 years and i was like i know that sperm's crap but i have done so many podcasts on women's fertility and eggs and you know all girl stuff i was like we rarely mention the boys except to say that they don't get on board and maybe it's because we don't give them enough information to you know have them uh, know the need to get on board yeah and I think that that is almost like this current that runs through all of women's health as well which like just drives me absolutely nuts um it's you know the woman's body is always treated like that like that medicalized war zone, right? Yeah. So we're the one that always has the problem. We're the ones that always has something that has to be done to us. And fertility is such a 
Oh man, such an emotional topic for so many couples, but it's, it seems to me, and this is, you know, my kind of anecdotal experience in practice, it seems to be that it's the woman in the relationship. And obviously I'm talking about like, you know, heterosexual relationships here. It's the woman in the relationship that carries all of the burden on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she is the one that comes to all of the appointments. She is the one that gets poked and prodded and goes through a whole (laughs) barrage of really horrific tests that range from, you know, like a fairly benign, like an ultrasound or a blood test right through to things like, you know, ovarian drilling or Mm. um, like endometrial scratch and all sorts of different things. And that's just the start of it. And when like 50% of the time the issues why they're not actually conceiving actually lies with the male partner, but it's not even for the most part even looked at. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that so frustrating. Yes. So, yeah, sperm, as you said, sperm's crap these days. <laughs> sperm is crap. Uh, the, you know, like you just said, it's 50% of the, um, you know, the team there. you got a half-half situation yep. and the the ratio of men to women, you know, um, I guess oh, effort and, and information and, like you said, uh, treatment is uneven and, like, I – I have struggled to get men to even take a pre- preconception multi if they're wanting for their partners coming to me and they're taking like my disgusting herbs. And they're, <laughs> you know, they're doing the five different supplements and they're going to see the acupuncturist or the chiropractor like you and, and they're yeah. really going gun ho and, and the guy's like, oh, no, I don't need that supplement. It's one a day, mate. Like, <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? I get that from my patients all the time as well. Like the, the wives will say to me, oh, he's just not into this stuff. Yes. Like I'm not going to be able to get him to stop drinking yeah, or yeah. like I just – it blows my mind because especially in Australia, male infertility is the number one cause of infertility. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Massive. Like, come on, dudes. Like, you know, get with the program. So, yeah, that's frustrating. (laughs) One of the biggest things with this, right, is that, like, from my perspective as a naturopath, um, I just mentioned the just take one pill, one of these amazing preconception awesome pills that I prescribe a day. But it is really easy and simple to work with male fertility, much simpler in my perspective than Mm. women's fertility, which, you know, we have heaps of stuff going on. Like if we're improving sperm quality and, you know, the way those guys swim, that's a fairly straightforward method, isn't it? It's literally the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> like, and I know this is uh, this is not a male bashing session, but it is just the imagination for the fellas who are listening. There'll but, be guys you know, out there who are on board. Bridges. I know. <laughs> Sperm is honestly the easiest thing in the world to to change. Even if, um, like, you see a male patient who has a really poor semen analysis, and we can get into some of those factors in a yes. moment, but um, often you can have a complete turnaround in three months. Wow. And, and I think it's just because it's like it's only one part of this whole conception journey, right? It's this yeah. one, t- <laughs> not tiny, but it's obviously a very important part. Um, and the health of that is also dictating, you know, 50% of the genetic potential for the offspring that they're going to have. So we want it to be as healthy as mm-hmm. possible. And getting that into men's brains as well is also like super important that they're understanding that how healthy that sperm is is also dictating the health of their child. So even if there's no, nothing – clinically wrong and we can definitely get into what's considered clinically wrong uh you know even if there's nothing clinically wrong everything's looking good on the blinds you know supporting that sperm health will still 
help with um, babies' ongoing health. It will help prevent, you know, uh, lifestyle diseases. It'll help prevent genetic diseases. It'll make a better-looking baby. I like to emphasize that. You do get a more aesthetically pleasing baby when you look after the sperm and the eggs and all the bits and pieces that go in because you kind of you, – you're planting all of the seeds – at the start for beautiful garden. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that that would be a really good motivating factor because that's like, I guess in an evolutionary perspective, nature wants the best, the strongest, the most beautiful. And that's, you know, obviously the healthy sperm is going to produce that. Yes. Mm. Totally. Totally. And smart. Yeah. Yeah. There's been trials on beautiful and smart. That is hilarious. I read a study um, the other day that if men are binge drinking and binge drinking is considered five drinks in one session, I don't think a lot of people associate five Mm -hmm. drinks with binge drinking, but it is. Um, If men are binge drinking three to six months before they, um, uh, before their partner conceives, that it dramatically increases the risk of cardiovascular disease in that child. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So I, I think I posted something similar on um, Instagram about how, um, you know, with a, when a certain time period of conception, men should really reduce their alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I said cut it out, just reduce it. And, oh, my God, the backlash I got. Really? Like men, yeah, just men, like, sending me all of these, like, laughing emojis going, lols, good luck with that. Like, oh. And it's just one tiny thing. It's just reduce your bloody alcohol consumption. How yeah. hard is that? And like the thing is, they've got nine months after that to drink as much as they want, really. Like, whereas we got to reduce that stuff, you know, to carry. Um, Yeah, look, let's talk about sperm in like detail because rather than getting on the back of the guys, let's talk about. I know. I feel like we've bashed them. I know. The reason why we are saying it's important I think that's like dudes want to know the logic they want to know the facts and I can bang on all day about herbs and um nutritionals and and you know if people say that they don't believe in it or they don't you know that that it's just expensive we or wherever they're going with that that's fine but let's give them some facts so that they can kind of um you know wrap their head around why this stuff is important and why we're talking about it um we know that current semen analysis is outdated and has remained unchanged for over 50 years. Can you talk to me a bit more about that? I think that we just haven't gone in search of better ways of looking at, you know, men's health and men's fertility because if there is a fertility issue with the men, then the solution, I think, is just so simple and it doesn't affect them. So all they have to do is ejaculate into a cup. The most um, invasive thing that would happen for them would be, say, if they have a blocked um, like seminal tube or something like that so that they would actually need that sperm physically um, extracted, which is, again, an easier process than having, you know, an egg retrieval in a woman, for example. And then his part is done. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it all falls on to the other partner f- to go through, you know, all of the stimulation, um, to go through the assisted reproductive technology, whether that's IVF or ICSI and those sorts of things. So it's almost like there's too easy a solution to male factor like infertility. So I think that, you know, this is just my assumption as to why they haven't really progressed that technology. Mm. Um, There are, like, I think some better ways at really looking at what that might be like. And I think that as um, like clinicians or practitioners, like doing a really thorough health history, looking at you know, what their diet and lifestyle is like, um, looking at other factors that can be influencing the health of that too can help us to 
like put that all together with a semen analysis as well. Um, But it is right now it's frustrating that I guess the gold standard testing that we have of a semen analysis is like 50 years old and the actual parameters of it, I think are way too liberal. So most men walk out of, you know, the, um, the doctor's office with their um, sperm sample, um, like printout saying I am the most virile man in the entire (laughs) world. It's I'm amazing. But then when you actually look at it, they might only have like 10% motility or, you know, um, like 2% morphology or something. Something. And we can talk about what those sorts of things mean, but they're not, no one actually explains to them what that means or actually digs into it with them um, and optimizes that. So when we're looking at like an actual semen sample, there's three, usually three different things we're looking at. We're looking at the volume, so how many like sperm are in that. Mm-hmm. And we want above 15 million per uh, of sperm per mill of fluid. Okay. And I know that that sounds like a lot, awesome. um, but it's not. Yeah, so that's what we want. That's that's good as far as I'm concerned. So okay. above 15 million per mill of fluid. Um, we want really good motility. So that's actually how they're moving, how they're swimming. Yeah. Uh, and we want more than 50% of that to be um, like, you know, um, motile. And mm-hmm. we also want that with progressive motility. So can they swim like in the right direction kind of thing and not just round and round in circles. Okay. <laughs> um, and then there's the morphology and that's how they look. So this is essentially like, do they have, you know, a weird looking head? Do they have two tails? Does the tail connect to the head? Um, those sorts of things we don't want. We want an oval head, a long tail. So that's normal morphology and as high rate of that as possible. Okay. So usually in a sample that I'll say anything above 4% morphology is good. I think that that is terrible. Surely you'd want as normal looking sperm, which also means a normal genetic material in that sperm as physically possible. Um, And, you know, changing the parameters of that is like so, so easy. But that is usually, um, you know, the kind of parameters that you look for. And a healthy ejaculate usually has about 40 million sperm in that. So... For those of you who are comparing your um your little, <laughs> little sperm reference ranges to that, hopefully it all falls into that. Yeah. yeah, and like we're finding this more and more with um like all kinds of testing that those ranges are not being updated. They may be based on a cohort of people who aren't the healthiest of people because we know that like people who get testing done probably aren't well so that's why they get the testing done and then those ranges become the norm um so like i see that with a lot of different things even including iron studies i want more i want better iron like (laughs) i want it i want it to look better for those people i don't want it to just be within the range or like you know sometimes i i get the okay from the gps and it's one point within the minimum range and I'm like, yeah. you know what? You got like, you've got like 50 more points that you can work towards there, or more. So exactly. We're saying that even though your your GP or your specialist or someone may say, look, you're within range. There's still more that you can do, and it mm-hmm. is going to be better for both conception and uh, baby's health, ongoing health. Um, but, and also like, um, pregnancy outcomes as well. If that sperm yeah. is well, well, well beyond the minimum range. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And I guess it is almost like a, just like a healthy, like menstrual cycle for a woman is a really good reflection of her overall health. I think that, you know, that sperm quality could be that for men as well. Yes. Um, 
So, yeah, I think that that's You're a good so thing. Right. Yeah, right? I've never said that <laughs> before. Like I haven't heard anyone say that before. It just, I think it just makes sense. You know, yeah. it is like a kind of a direct measure of their virility, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and sperm is affected by so many different um, factors, including, you know, diet and lifestyle and, you know, environmental things and stress. And mm-hmm. we'll, we, we'll definitely get into that so that um, I think, uh, Mel, if you're okay with this, the fellas have, you know, some things that they can start to work on let's straight away to kind of yeah. improve their swimmers. Yeah, let's do it because we know that our environmental toxins have a huge impact on our hormonal health. But you're yeah. also talking about like, you know, we've got a rising um, rising rates of metabolic disease and obesity, which has a huge impact yeah. uh, for men's sperm as well. Let's, yeah, let's get into it. Diet, lifestyle. Yes. Yeah, sorry, so Let's important. talk about obesity because that is such Great. a massive one. Um, and it affects, there's so many different ways it actually affects men's health and sperm quality as well. And, um, you know, we all know that obesity rates are like through the roof and that's, you know, really scary. Um, but I think that when a man comes in and I see him walking in and he's got that classic like hypo um, kind of uh, or hyper estrogenism, like that picture. Yep. So he walks in and you can almost see like the man boobs and the muffin top, Um, even if he's not like obese, you can already see that that body fat distribution has gone sort of more feminized. You can already tell that there's some sort of hormonal disruption that's happened there. And a lot of the time, probably from, you know, dietary factors, but also stress. So obesity reduces the overall just fertility of the morphology, everything. So that decreases. We lost you there for a minute. Increase. Oh, yeah. I thought that there was like a little bit of a delay. My back. Uh, so obesity reduces the overall um, sperm concentration. So the amount <laughs> that men have, um, it also creates this hypogonadotrophic state. Or so essentially, what that means is it reduces all of their androgens or all their testosterone hormones, mm-hmm. and then it puts them into this hyperestrogen state. So where their body and their hormonal picture um, reflects more of like that that feminizing type hormones. Um, it, like that obesity also impairs the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis as well. So all of the stress responses, it decreases the pulses of certain hormones that come from our pituitary gland that then signal down to the testes to actually, you know, increase or decrease testosterone. So wow. the, the net result of that is that it has this central decrease to our whole body of testosterone as well. Um, obesity also increases like the sperm, like the DMA, DNA fragmentation. So it changes what um, that genetic potential is and the way just the sperm is kind of making itself up as well mm-hmm. and obviously compromises its fertilizing um, potential or ability. Uh, and we just see that all of the conventional sperm parameters in men who are overweight or obese, all of their parameters are worse off. So decreased concentration, volume goes down, impairs motility and morphology is like pretty crap as well. Um, so that's just a few things. <laughs> I know that this is going to obviously impact on um, infertility, but do you know that it, if it impacts on the rate of miscarriage in terms Ooh. of changing that DNA? Good question. Um, it would have to. Right. It would absolutely have to. Right. Um, I don't know exactly the factors around, yeah. um, you know, how that would happen. I'm just going to turn the volume up here so I can hear you a bit better, Mel. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's better. Um, but we do know that 
Like usually that spontaneous miscarriage that happens, sometimes it's up to 40% of pregnancies end in that spontaneous miscarriage, usually within the first 12 weeks of conception. There is, and I've been trying to find it for the life of me, there was some research that was actually looking at the timing of the miscarriage and whether Mm -hmm. or not that that could be more due to sperm factors or egg factors. And um, it was showing that maybe between, like, you know, conception to six weeks might have been more potentially sperm factor um, or, you know, from six to 12 weeks might have been more an egg factor. Now, I could have got those timings around the wrong way. I cannot find this research again, but I will. I'm going to try and and dig it out. We get the idea, but so, like, hopefully we can, we might be able to uh, use that as a parameter for sperm health um, as well when that, you know, if we can get a bit more specific with things like that. But, yeah, it's got to, right? Like when we're looking at DNA that's not um, being made correctly or the sperm's coming in and, like, if they've got their head attached to their tail, that can't be good for anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, that's not going anywhere. <laughs> how do they even get anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> like things like that have got to impact um, on, yeah, not not just the health of baby after they're born, which is what I've been kind of banging on about, but also that health in pregnancy in utero. Yeah, 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 definitely. And we know that that spontaneous miscarriage kind of happens because things just aren't quite right. Yeah. There's just something that the body's recognizing going, oh, we're not quite happy with that. Yeah. And sort of, you know, nature kind of takes care of it. And if there is changes to that genetic makeup or essentially like the DNA of the sperm, for example, then that's surely that's going to increase miscarriage mm. rates as well. Mm. Um, now, when we were doing the wellness um, summit, when yes. Was that last year? It was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a blur for me having a two-year-old um, now. But, you know, I opened one of my talks. I talked about toxins and I opened with like, you know, take a deep breath in because it's just such a showstopper. And we've just breathed in. Um, I think we're up to about 75,000 um, 75, different toxic chemicals. So oh, delightful. Yeah, right? <laughs> so terrifying. Delicious. And they all think that they're starting this big deep breath to kind of just center themselves and then like, you know, boom yeah. with the facts. So when we talk about like, that's just the air we breathe, we know that, you know, our food is depending on the food that we eat, getting um, takeaway wrapped in plastic, having coffee through the plastic lids and the, they've got yeah. plastic linings and um, BPAs are a huge issue now when, mm. what, when we talk about toxins and sperm um what can you tell me about that well we know that uh those sort of environmental endocrine disruptors that you've referred to mimic estrogen in both men and women's bodies so even just the presence of that for men on a hormonal level is going to be reducing testosterone yeah. and it's going to be increasing essentially those toxic versions of estrogen that the body doesn't know what to do with so it's very safe to then go and just kind of deposit in fat and just put some fat around it that's kind of a nice safe thing to do not quite sure what to do with that so let's kind of go and put it over there storage locker yeah totally storage right now (laughs) (laughs) which could also be why we're seeing like you know those kind of that excess body tissue for example um on men in certain things but the uh, for all of those sperm parameters that we talked about all of those environmental disruptors are what create changes again in the like the DNA fragmentation. So it's what essentially is messing with 
um, just the health, the overall health and genetic potential of that sperm. Mm. So I assume that it would be reducing absolutely the volume, so the potential that it has there because when there's more estrogen, there's less testosterone, so there's less, you know, I guess ability to create sperm in the first place. Um, and all of those things kind of fit into um, this category of um, like it's called reactive oxygen species or I think of it like oxidative stress on mm -hmm. the system. Um, and those environmental endocrine disruptors definitely fall into that category. And the biggest thing that they do is they just they damage the sperm DNA. They damage the membranes of the sperm as well um, and the proteins that it makes too. So just similar to any other kind of tissue in our body that undergoes kind of free radical damage that sort of messes it up. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with sperm. So in terms of like men's health, even if they're not looking to be um, having a baby, that could be extrapolated into their cancer risk. Yeah. Totally. We know that all of that definitely increases the risk of cancer, um, both for men and women in yeah. terms of breast cancer as well. Mm. We know that men's breast cancer has been going through the roof. I'm seeing almost a, an epidemic influx of men with enlarged prostates wow. and young men as well, far too young to mm. be having those sorts of changes. And most of it is benign, but there's something that's going on that's increasing you know, obviously the inflammatory potential of the prostate itself that's decreasing their testosterone, obviously raising their estrogen and making that testosterone um, like aromatase into estrogen as well, which is increasing prostate, um, you know, size and, and everything else, which is that benign prostate hyperplasia. Wow. So all of this stuff is definitely um, affecting not just their fertility but just their overall health too. Yeah, and so there's going to be people who are listening in and, like, loving, they're getting their, you know, chewing on the science here. But for those people who are like, what the hell are you talking about? Because this can get quite complex. We're talking about maintaining a healthy weight range, exercising yep. regularly, and that means, like, 20 minutes a day. Like, seriously, it doesn't mean CrossFit seven days a week or, <laughs> you know, that kind of yeah. thing. It can just mean getting yeah. out and moving. Um, and the other thing that it means is reducing the toxins in our life. So we know skincare, we know household products, chemicals, mm. anything that has, you know, a marking on it that says, like, watch out, this is super dangerous, um, keep it away from your kids. You probably don't want it in your life anyway. And yes. the other thing that we're really looking at is diet. And you can reduce all of that plastic stuff, um, and that does reduce a lot of your takeaway and stuff like that. But the flip side of, of eating a healthy diet is that you're going to get nutrients that are going to help prevent a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. Like if we're eating yeah. fresh greens, leafies, berries, that's going to help to reduce the oxidative stress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it really is like that simple. It's just those timeless health principles, isn't it? Mm. And um, Mel, I love that you mentioned exercise as well, like particularly for men. One of the easiest things that they can do to boost their testosterone so they're, you know, like their masculizing um, hormone is to do like powerful exercise. So um, just things that might be like squats or deadlifts or just something that uses their big muscle groups. Yeah. And again, it doesn't have to be crossfit it seven days a week but just some sort of powerful movements really helps to lift testosterone which is so cool mm. as well mm. like that's just amazing and it's like the simplest thing ever um when it comes to diet uh avoiding you know the really crappy stuff so avoiding trans fats we know that those are associated with lower sperm concentrations so essentially anything that's that 
baked or processed mm-hmm. um, is going to be containing those uh, those trans fats. Um, it was interesting. There was um, I read some research that they did in um, in rodents, and they fed them like the hydrogenated oils or like essentially the the crappy oils that most takeaway food is cooked in or a lot of those like kind of trans fats are cooked in as well. And what they found is that that actually reduced the size of their testicles Mm -hmm. and decreased their serum testosterone levels, their sperm count, which again affected motility, morphology, their fertilizing potential, blah, blah, blah. So like it's just, and that was just looking at the input of trans fats in that diet. Yeah. Um, So that's a really good thing to start to kind of just think about. So it's not just um, where you're getting your food from, but what is your food cooked in as well? Mm. What are the ingredients that are put into that? Mm. Um, And definitely increasing your fruits and veggies. Um, For men, I like, I love um, getting them to increase their fish. Um, So their omega fatty acids, um, getting as much zinc in their diet as physically possible. Um, For example, walnuts are amazing for, um, you know, sperm quality. Uh, and making sure that they're limiting their soy as well, like mm. particularly like, you know, any like thing that has like those soy isoflavonoids in it has been associated with the lower sperm count too. So, um, you know, the soy milks, the soy, all sorts of soy those products, soy anything. things, you know, those chips now, like they, they, they look really healthy. Soy crisps. You're like, oh, that oh. must be better than a potato chip. Yeah, no, everybody's going vegan, so they're all eating lots of tofu and tempeh and those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so, guys, just go use with caution. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you're the one cooking, let's cook with olive oil, grapeseed oil, um, maybe coconut oil, you know, like, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's kind of Yeah, and a low heat, low heat. <laughs> it's always controversial, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But getting rid of the canola oil, like, that was something that really took my parents years to get on board with because the canola oil is cheap. And it's, you know, they do lots of like frying with it in their home deep fryer because that's healthier than getting a takeaway and yeah. like just getting to swap it to grapeseed oil because it was a bit more expensive. And, and you know, they're not hard done by, but they were like, but it's really expensive. And I'm like, well, mom, it's going to, you know, you pay for your health. Like that's, that's just the price of it. But if more of us buy it, maybe it comes down in price as well. So getting mm, rid of those yep. crappy um, oils from things that aren't oily right yes yeah so look at that's such a good way to think about it it comes from something that and you're like hey that's kind of dry like rice bran oil that that bothers me right rice bran it's not even just rice it's rice bran which has been like totally dried out it's literally a powder and then you're getting an oil out of it so really high processing um yeah not a great oil to be having something like olives really nice and beautifully oily you know we know that's good to be having yeah um yeah Cool. That's, oh, that's such a simple thing to think about. Oh, yeah, very clever. Um, I think a really big thing for men um, is reducing their stress. Mm. So I think that there's really good um, kind of movements and programs and everything about just highlighting the effect of mental um, health issues for men these days, which yes. is good. I know we've got a long way to go. Um but even when, you know, men feel like motivated and they feel like they're, um, you know, they're really stressed at work, they're really, really busy and that's like makes them feel, um, you know, very masculine and powerful and those sorts of things, that's great. But just keep in mind that when men are stressed, they convert testosterone into estrogen. Mm-hmm. So that is this, you know, essentially the hormonal pathways that testosterone goes down when men are stressed. There's ways to like mitigate that, um, which is good, but just 
keeping that in mind when you're overcommitting yourself to everything, when you don't have good coping mechanisms, maybe you need someone to, you know, um, kind of take the load off, spend time with like your like really good male buddies and talk as well. Yeah. And things other than drinking, you know, like if yeah. you're looking to alcohol for the end of your day to de-stress and maybe we look at other options. Maybe you do go do a couple of squats and then you only have half the beer that you would have normally like those kind of just little stuff right and we're not saying don't have any beer but maybe just having other methods to cope with the stress in your life you know the biggest thing with um the testosterone is as a dude it makes you feel great like that's your doobliness so (laughs) if your estrogen's through the roof that's kind of like that seesaw relationship isn't it like if your estrogen's high your testosterone's pushed low and if your testosterone's coming up high your estrogen's pushed a bit lower like simplistically um yeah and your testosterone, I think for the guys, the, it, it really is important for your libido. So one of the most common complaints I hear from guys in the clinic is that they have a low libido. And it's like what you said about the period, our mens- menstruation being like a really good sign of our inner health as a woman and our, mm. and our like future health as well. Your libido is a massive sign of your health because when your stress is high, your libido will be low because your sex hormones are pushed down. So if men can kind of um, think, right, you know, get my testosterone up, get my testosterone up, make me nice and strong, muscly, and have good libido, that's a really good link to just having healthy sperm as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I love that because I didn't think about the libido. Um, That's such an obvious thing, isn't it? Um, And that's also a really good way to actually improve sperm quality as well is regular ejaculation and regular sex because we want to have that. I know. (laughs) What what terrible homework to have, right? Um, And it's the same for women as well to have – you know, like healthy reproductive organs. We want really good juicy blood flow to that area. We want really good um, change in that blood flow. We want good lymphatics to the area and everything else. And one of the best ways to do that is with orgasm, yeah. both men and women. So, um, yeah, that's a uh, happy. Run... Yeah, totally. Happy Everyone's got healthy. license to get busy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you um, know, just lastly, like when we're talking about IVF, right, you're yeah. talking about putting probably the current egg and the current sperm together medically. So yeah. if the sperm quality isn't that great, um, we're still going to be looking at a chance of infertility even with IVF because we haven't yeah. improved the, I guess, like the basis, like the the – it's like my, I always think of my garden. I can't help it because I'm a gardener. So if yeah. the soil is no good, like soil technology is 80% of your garden, right? So if your soil's no good, everything that you try to grow is just, it's not, you're not going to get a bumper crop. So when we look at, you know, those basic kind of um, uh, starting factors, sperm, egg, we really still want to be improving them in all outcomes. We're not just talking about natural conception here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so much, even though we're talking, um, you know, we've mentioned a few times, it is a little bit more expensive to choose better sort of, for example, quality oils Mm. or to take some good quality sort of prescription, um, like practitioner prescription quality, maybe um, prenatals Mm -hmm. for men as well for their good paternal health. Um, That is a hell of a lot cheaper than going down the assisted reproductive route. (laughs) Like IVF cycles, like one cycle alone is on average about $10,000. And they fail 70% of the, 75% of the time. And that is a generous um, 
you know, usually they're successful 5% of the time. Wow. Uh, So, and it's because of that factor, right? It's that when you're not actually improving some of those fundamental markers, the body is still going to be going, oh, this is not quite right. I'm not quite happy with this. This is not going to be producing the kind of offspring that we want to, you know, kind of bring into the world. Let's just, you know, not let that progress. Um, So you're spot on. Which is so heartbreaking. Mm. Because I, yeah. I don't think people are told. Like when you go down the route of IVF, it's like, all right, we'll look after it now. You get the needles, you get the meds, you get the, um, you know, the horribly invasive procedures. Nobody's saying keep your diet on track. Like you know, um, exercise, stay happy, try to reduce your stress sores, take your really good uh, multis, preconception multis. Which I, I, I just, I know that we as you know, Parakis bang on about supplements and stuff like that. But if nothing else, a high quality uh, prenatal vitamin is going to seriously improve your nutritional status. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's really important. Uh, really important. Yeah. So, we Mel, need, what yeah. are your go-to kind of vitamins or herbs for um, for men's fertility? Yeah, look, I love this Australian brand. I've worked with her for um, a couple of years now. Her name's Nikki Warren, and she mm-hmm. makes Natural Best. She's based okay. in Queensland, um, and she just does these like ripper <laughs> natal vitamins for men and women. The women have like a three-stage thing, so there's like a preconception trimester one, and then there's two, three, and it goes through to breastfeeding. Um, but for the mm-hmm. guys, there's just one, one fits all take it all all around um i think it's look it could be one it might even be two a day when you're in the you know proper conception phase yeah but it's got everything that they need in there it's got herbal support as well as nutritional support ah nice okay the main thing i love about it is that it's got the highest quality activated um folate that we can get on the market at the moment so everything is activated in there and activation just means that your body can better utilize it like it's already gone through a couple of phases so if you are under stress if you do have any genetic defects um whether you know about them or not this is going to be the best the best thing for your body to get what it needs yeah for your for your baby essentially awesome Oh, oh, herb-wise, herb-wise, oh, my God, so many. <laughs> I think herb-wise, it depends what's going on for them, right? For a guy, if it's estrogen dominance, we want to reduce that and get it out of there. So things like rosemary as a herb are fantastic, but you can also put it in the diet, and that yeah. will get rid of excess estrogen through the liver um, and specifically um, toxic estrogen, which is what we're looking at when it gets stored in those places that you were talking about before. Yeah. can help with weight loss herbs, you know, you can help with um, stress herbs, things like St. John's Ward and lavender and kava are beautiful herbs to be using for guys. Um, and, you know, like you probably will get the um, average, the average guy is going to ask you about tribulus. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we know that it's not the best herb to be using for male reproductive health and it's not even the best herb to be using to raise testosterone either. So I don't actually have it in my clinic. Mm, isn't that interesting? Mm. But really, oh, well known, really popular, but not not doing what we think it's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's not a bad one to be taking if you want to take it. That's fine too. <laughs> but maybe just for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, which is why, like, I always make all my liquids individually. 
So if yeah. the guy comes in and he's got more than one of these factors, you can put a bunch of different herbs in. Um, usually one of my herb mixers will have five or six different herbs in it. And then, yeah. you know, they can just take it as a liquid and it's really individualized and specific to what's going on for them. Awesome. Well, there you go, everybody. Do those things. Sperm. <laughs> yeah, do those things. We I love sperm. It. Yeah. Uh, Mel, it's been so nice to chat to you again, darling. It's been awesome. I love chatting to you. Thank you so much for your time. If this podcast really hit a nerve with you or you want to know more, then please feel free to email me, Mel, on info at mgherbs.com.au and I would love to help you out, answer any questions. If you want more podcasts like this or you have a podcast idea, I would love to hear it and I'd love to fulfill your request because um, that's what it's here for, right? Just to help uh, to give information and to help you guys out with whatever info you need so i would love to hear from you please email the same email please like and subscribe to the podcast because that helps me out and if you want to jump on instagram and follow me it's mg herbs the naked naturopath and on facebook we are mg herbs as well so i look forward to seeing you on there and thanks so much for listening in If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mel and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on The Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mel or your health professional. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.